0: Well, good evening, and uh, welcome to all who have come out to this event. I want to uh, just take the liberty to say with the psalmist that in Psalm 48, verse 1, it says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, he says, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, on the sides of the north, the city of the great King." And toward the end of that psalm there are at least several verses there that are outstanding as I think of an event like this. Verse 9 of 48 says, "We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God." And as in the Hebrew, as the word loving kindness is used, it talks it's it's referring to God's unfailing love, never ending, never variable, never changing love for us his people I'm honored to be a part of that and verse 14 says for this God is our God forever and ever he will be our guide even unto death that's my prayer for commitments made here this evening whether it's the one who will be ordained or whether you as a um, As a spectator, a witness to this event, Uh, make commitments in your life here this evening. I pray that they would be commitments that would last and, and endure. I've said before that I believe that ordinations can be and often are a very healthy thing for any church. The appointment of pastors according to the New Testament, I think is considered to be a very normal thing in church life. I think it's something that is, should never be seen as a crisis. And uh, from my perspective, this has been a real good week for our church. And um, it's, yeah, this morning services were good and I believe tonight will be good too. Just a little bit of rehearsal. Uh, we pastors proposed this ordination in May, and several weeks later, on June the 14th exactly, uh, we asked for your affirmation, and you responded with unanimous confirmation to the minister ordination that was proposed, and here we are this evening. So in late September, we kicked off the process with several Sunday morning services, sermons on ordination, pastoral responsibility, and qualifications for pastors. And this past week, especially, we, um, how shall I say, doubled in a little more. And we had times of prayer and fasting and asking God for his guidance. God's will to be made obvious in our church at this time as to who from among us should be ordained as a minister, as a pastor at this time. This past Wednesday evening, we had service where... The Weavertown Church submitted their nominations, and after the interviews on Thursday, it was clear that Paul Fisher, Joseph Peachy, and Daniel Kaufman were willing, able, and committed to share in the rest of the ordination process together. So we're here tonight to, for the purpose of ordination, one of these three men, by the use of the lot. <coughs> we will... Start with several songs led by Jordan Stolzfus. Immediately after the singing, Manny Glick from the Peckway congregation will share a devotional, after which we'll proceed with the ordination. And following that, our guest speaker this weekend, or this um, today, this morning and this evening, Raymond Fisher from Greenville, Tennessee, will bring a sermon entitled, "Christ Church Moves Forward. Let's stand together for prayer, and then after the prayer, we'll have uh, several songs. Let's pray. Lord our Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for your presence and your enablement, for your guidance this past week and days and years. We realize that your faithfulness in the past is evidence of your faithfulness in the future. We thank you that your loving kindness and your faithfulness does not fluctuate, that it is constant and ongoing and will be until you call us home, when your faithfulness and your love will be at its fullest, at its peak. We look forward to that time when you will call us home, and I pray for a spirit of faithfulness and um, servants, service in all of our hearts to you and to others. And I pray that this evening would be a means to that, would create safety here at Weavertown and for the community beyond. I pray your hand of guidance and blessing on this service. We lift up Manny and Raymond to you as they preach. We also pray for these three, Joseph and Paul and Daniel and their families, ask that you would just place a special protection and peace in their hearts. Again, we commit this evening to you. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated.
1: turn
2: to number 136. 136, Father in thy mysterious presence, I especially like the end of verse 3, now make us strong, we need thy deep revealing of trust and strength and calmness from above. Number 136.
3: No, oh. We surrender.
4: good evening. It's good to be here with you all this evening in this ordination service. I will be true to thee. I will go with thee all the way. Those are some, some of the words that we just got done singing there. <clears throat> Whether I feel like it or not, right? I will be true to thee. <clears throat> Psalmist writes, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And uh, I trust that we can bless the Lord this evening in this service here, and uh, we'll, uh, as we await what the Lord has for uh, the church here at Weavertown in this ordination made me think back a lot several years ago, um, was in the lot there at Peckway and uh, as I recalled back, I did a lot of thinking back here since Wednesday evening and remembered some of the uh, anxious thoughts that come with the waiting process and the ordination. So I just bless you as you uh, rest in what God has for, for each one of you here. This evening. <clears throat> this experience is one that is met with anticipation from both the congregation and from those in the lot. Um, we believe that before too long, God will reveal through the use of the lot whom he has already chosen. I believe he knows which one is going to be chosen here this evening, and the lot is used to simply reveal. His choice. For text here this evening that I'd like to look at, um, I see this uh, as a, uh, a, a minister, ordaining a minister here, which is what you're doing here this evening. I see the uh, serving God then as a minister of the gospel is an opportunity and a responsibility. And for devotional meditation here this evening, I'd like to draw some thoughts from 2nd Timothy chapter 2. 2nd Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> Paul is writing to young Timothy, um, a young pastor of the church of God, and uh, he's... He's uh, admonishing Timothy here, and this is uh, what we believe is probably one of the last letters that Paul wrote, and he was addressing this young pastor, Timothy. In uh, chapter 2, we're going to break in at about verse 14, and he starts off by saying, he says, "...of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit." but to the subverting of the hearers. And he goes on, he says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'd like to look at verse 15 primarily, and I see a few things coming through in, this, in that verse there, in verse 15. I see the word Study. And I see the word combination approved unto God. I see a word a workman. And I see rightly dividing the word of truth. I'd like to look at each one of those for just a little bit here this evening. The first one I want to look at is this word workman. What does it mean to be a workman? Paul here in writing this letter to young Timothy he refers to young Timothy as a workman what does it mean to be a workman tonight one of your brothers is going to be charged with the ordination charge of a minister and it's going to come with a workload there's work that goes with this and Paul here is referring to Timothy as a workman Interestingly, did a little bit of cross-referencing here and seeing what, what does it mean to be a workman. And Jesus used this same word in uh, Matthew chapter nine thirty-seven. It's a familiar passage to us. He says this, he says, but when he says the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And this is the same Greek word laborers that is translated here as workmen. So it has the idea of somebody who is uh, maybe agricultural, and uh, somebody who is working in the fields or working as a workman. <clears throat> in the setting that I was raised in, um, what is happening here tonight, uh, we would have referred to that as a dionysian book that we're ordaining a, a, someone. And it would have been referred to as Dinosan Bull. And uh, so interestingly, I looked at that term a little bit on what that means. And I think it's actually a correct interpretation of what it means to be ordained minister. Being a Dinosan Bull simply means to be A servant. Of the word. We, one of you brothers, is going to be ordained to be a servant of the word. I see that as being tremendously encouraging, actually. <clears throat> a servant, then, or as Paul says, a servant is then one who is under someone else. Someone who works for his master. A servant is someone who works for someone else. Or as Paul says, so then what does it mean to be a servant of the word? Or we could say, as Paul says, a workman. What does it mean to be a workman of the Lord? First, let's look at a few of the responsibilities that I think came with being a workman. ...of the Lord or a servant of the word. <clears throat> As we think about this idea of being a dien book... ...that means, or a servant of the word translated... ...that means it is somebody who is going to spend... ...a fair amount of time in God's word. Studying the word. And depending on the subject that he preaches on he may well spend 10 to 16 hours in preparing a sermon at church on a Sunday morning. This is, I believe, what Paul is encouraging Timothy here in verse 15. He says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. Let's look at this phrase a little bit on what it means to be approved unto God. You know, it's a real temptation. As a, as a, it can be a real temptation as a minister of the word I think again we should think about that term it's a real temptation for the minister of the word to become a minister of the people or a minister to the people rather than a minister of the word and we'll look at this, this a little bit here <clears throat> Paul says if you can turn in your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter 4 we'll look at uh, the first four verses there in First Corinthians 4 Paul, in writing this letter to the church at corinth various issues that they were dealing with there one of the issues they were dealing with in the church of corinth was contention and paul says this he says let a man so account of us as of the ministers of christ stewards of the mysteries of god there comes this word stewards he considers himself to be a steward of the mysteries of god He says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, he says, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yeah, I judge not myself, mine own self. But he says, for I know nothing by myself, yet I am not hereby justified. But he that judges me is the Lord. A servant is first of all, his primary uh, focus should be to to be approved of God in his studies and his interpretation of Scripture. When serving, in some senses, we are all servants, are we not? Whether we are ministers or whether we are lay members, we are all servants in in some senses. I believe, though, that the pastor or the minister is one who serves at a different uh, level or a different level of accountability is served when the minister uh, stands up to to, uh, teach and to preach the word of God. In that sense, I believe, is what Paul was saying, but he that judges me is the Lord. Because sometimes the preacher will preach things that may not be the popular thing to say at the moment but he needs to first of all be one who is willing to show himself approved unto God as a servant his goal is to rightly divide the word of truth and when he does that he spends time in prayer in his quest to rightly divide the word of truth when he does that he does not need to be ashamed and that's what Timothy of Paul is admonishing Timothy here in 2nd Timothy chapter 2 rightly dividing the word of truth a workman that needeth not to be ashamed there was a uh, a story I once heard or an incident I once heard about a man who would on the occasion he would remind his ministers that They are, you are my servants. You are my servants. And uh, while that's an interesting way of seeing things, I believe, though, that it may not be a, a, a correct understanding of who a minister is. See, first of all, he is a servant of God. The minister, one of you tonight will now become, I believe, a servant of God at a different level in that he is a servant of God to the people, to the church. And tonight we have, I believe, here at Weavertown, one of you will be chosen to be uh, a servant of God to the to the people at church. One of the blessings that comes with this charge, and uh, we have seen some of this in our few short years that we were ordained here. And uh, one of those, just recently, we uh, visited a, um, and this is one of the tremendous opportunities that come with serving at, 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 as, a, as a peanut symbol, because you go and you represent God. Anyway, so we, w- we went to visit uh, an older lady, single lady at church that is um, not doing too well and she was uh, laying there on a bed when we got there, and um, you wonder how long she's gonna still keep on going. And I wondered that when we got there, and as for our family, we gathered around her bed, and we started singing. And she, in the condition she was in, helped us sing all three songs. All three of them. And I left that night feeling tremendously blessed. It comes with sacrifices. It does. But there is many, many blessings. And that's just one of... To many that come with this charge of being called to be a minister. Called to be a servant of God. I believe called to serve God. And Timothy here would have, I believe, understood this. Called to serve God should not be seen as something that is a burden. Rather, it should be seen as an opportunity to serve and to do good to others. And especially serving as it relates to serving God through being a Dinox and symbol. I'd like for you to remember that one thing. You're probably not going to remember anything I said tonight. Because you're just, you know, wait to get this next couple moments past, right? Remember how that was. Well, if, if you can remember one thing... You will, you will be called to be a servant of the book. And from that platform, you will be called to minister to the people through being a servant of the book. Let's stand together for a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your great love and, Lord, we are grateful for this opportunity we have to gather together like this here at Weavertown. Father, I pray for peace with each one of these who are in the lot and with the congregation as they await what you have for them and what you will be revealing to the church here in the next several moments. I pray that you would guide and direct and have your way in the rest of the service. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
0: I appreciated those uh, comments, that devotional was uh, meaningful. Well, tonight we have three men who have been nominated to share the lot for ordination. And during the interview process, all three of these men have said that if the ordination process reveals it, they would be willing to accept the charge. And we at Weaver Town here have had the blessing of seeing these men at work in our congregation. They've proven themselves to be sound in faith. They've shown by their lives to be people of commitment And integrity. We've had the opportunity to be blessed by their examples and by their actions, by their spouses and their families. So there is only one role to fill at this time, and three capable men. I don't necessarily feel that the way we're doing it here this evening is the only way to do it. But I'm thankful that we have a precedent to follow, um, steps that have been taken by others at other times from our church, and I'm really, really glad that we pastors or some other group of men or people from church here uh, do not have some sort of retreat or they gather in some sort of room to decide who of these three should be ordained. What we're planning here to do this evening is to use the lot. I have uh, three new Bibles here and uh, I've been intentional about handling them the same. And uh, I have three slips of paper, <clears throat> two of the s- slips of paper are completely blank, no writing on them at all. and. One slip has two verses from the Bible. Proverbs sixteen thirty three says, The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And then the verse from 1 Samuel 16, verse 12 says, And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. I would like for Floyd King to come forward and... Uh, Place these slips, you can use the room to my left here, and uh, all of them have red markers, and you would place a slip in each Bible right at the red marker. Appreciate it, leave the Bibles in there. Lloyd Byler, if you would come forward and uh, bring the Bibles and place them here on the table. I encourage you to shuffle them first, though, and uh, bring them out and place them on the table with the spines facing the, the, the audience. Yeah, lay them flat with the spines facing, and you can choose the pattern that you'd like to place them. All right, let's just come to the Lord in prayer and commit this time to the Lord. And after the prayer, I'm just inviting the three men to come and choose the Bible that they would like to choose. Let's pray. Lord, at this time, we look to you for guidance and help. We pray for this part of the process now, and uh, you have been faithful in guiding us through each step of the process. And at this time, as the men choose their Bibles and the slip is found, I pray, Lord, that it would be a means of blessing for all, and especially for these brothers. I pray that you would um yeah just control all of our minds and hearts and i pray this in jesus name amen all right uh, you can take your time but i choose you encourage you to go ahead and choose your bibles The Slip is found here in uh, Joseph Peachy's Bible. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And the Lord said, "Arise, anoint him, for this is he." And King, come and join me for this part of the uh, process here. Um, Brother Joe and Susan, you are invited to stand. <clears throat> Brother Joseph, the Lord has called you to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to accept the ordination charge? And by the grace of God and the aid of the Holy Spirit, to give yourself to the work of the church? Yes. Do you promise herewith to give heed to all the doctrine of the Word of God, to accept it as the rule and guide of your life, to preach and teach it in its entirety and purity, and to abide in it with unchanging fidelity? Yes. Are you willing to assist the present ministry of the Weavertown Church in the ministerial duties of the church? in accordance with the instruction and teaching of the word of God. Seek to work with your fellow ministers in the council of the church. In all things, show yourself to be approved workmen of the Lord. Yes, Brother Joseph, this charge you are given here on this 10th day of November 2019 is given on the premise of your confession and commitment and promises before God and these witnesses to the foregoing questions. This charge shall be valid and in effect as long as you are faithful to these, and as long as the Lord grants you health and ability. Your first responsibility will be to assist in the pastoral duties of the Weavertown Church, and then to the community and beyond, wherever the Lord, by the leading of the Lord, wherever the church, by the leading of the Lord, may lead you. <clears throat> I invite you to kneel at this time, uh, as you place the charge. <clears throat> Brother Joseph, you are chosen of the Lord to be a pastor in the Church of Jesus Christ, a minister of the gospel. I herewith, in the name of Jesus Christ and the Church, ordain you to this office and charge you to perform the duties of a pastor. It will be your responsibility to preach the gospel in its purity, to warn the sinner, to admonish the unconverted to repent, to teach, to instruct, comfort, and encourage the believers to be instant in season and out of season, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, to do the work of an evangelist, to make full proof of your ministry. Likewise, give heed unto yourselves. Walk circumspectly, read the Bible, meditate upon its precepts, pray without ceasing, and in all things seek to be a faithful laborer in the vineyard of the lord continue in these things for in so doing you shall save yourself and those that hear you to this end may god almighty bless you and anoint you with his spirit fill you with his love and use you mightily in the building of his kingdom through jesus christ amen i invite the congregation to stand as we pray Father, Lord, we thank you for your, your blessing, the gift that you've given to our congregation at this time. Thank you for Joseph and his faithful service to the church in the past. I pray that you would place a particular burden, a responsibility, a blessing, of peace. I pray, Lord, that you would use him in a way that is above and beyond anything that we can ask or think. I ask, Lord, that you would... Um, Fill him with the Holy Spirit and give him a passion for teaching and preaching, a desire to see a burden for for those uh, who are lost, to see them come to faith and to victory in Jesus. I pray that you would place um, good health on his life if that's not prayed against your will, and I pray that you would just use him in a way that is, uh, like I said, above and beyond anything that we can ask. We give you the liberty, release him to your service. Release him to do what you have called him to do in this church and beyond wherever you call him. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: Holy God, righteous Father, we come to you in the blessed name of Jesus because you have called one from among us to serve you. God, tonight we pray for His family, his wife, Susan, their children, for Sierra, for Jeremiah, for Hannah, and Leah. God, I pray for these children. I pray that they would grow up to serve you. I pray for their salvation. I pray for their obedience in the home. God, that they would follow you and your call that you have placed upon them. For Susan, as she supports her husband in the ministry, God, I just pray for grace in her life. I pray that you would bring much joy into her life. And as she ministers to her children about their dad's calling, that she would minister well to them. They will catch her attitude. So God, I pray for her and her spirit, and as she relates to the ladies in the church, that she would direct them in a way towards you. I pray for her and her children, especially tonight, tomorrow, this week, in the near future. God, I pray that you would continue to direct them. I pray your blessing. And thank you that we can call upon you and bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And
0: the congregation can be seated. for you as a congregation i think these weeks and especially the last several days have been a blessing and it's clear to me that our church is blessed with leaders with people who are capable who are charactered men who are trusted and respected who have recognizable leadership skills and giftings and that is really a blessing that is really a blessing and Paul and Joseph and Daniel are three of these. And while they've been spotlighted in the last couple of days, there are multiple others of you. I know. Had you been nominated, you also would have said you're willing, if the process would reveal it, to serve. That's a blessing. And all of you, you three men and, and Chris and others, are serving vital roles in this, in this church. And God wants all of us to continue to do what we've been doing, to be faithful in, uh, and, in serving others and ministering to others. And I am confident, very confident, that you as a congregation are going to be supportive of Joseph in the coming days, and that you're going to receive Joseph as a, as a gift to our congregation, our church at this time. <clears throat> I've admired you, Joseph, for your uh, service, your um, behind-the-scenes work on food committee and teaching in general. And I've admired your passion for the details of the Bible and um, placing meaning in all of that, and and uh, appreciate how you're passionate about that. And uh, I'm sure there's newness or a learning curve that, You'll find to pastoring and church leadership. And it is just as true that as you continue to continue being the person that you've been, uh, God will bless you and uh, continue to guide you on the path and the process that you've been in. Thank you, Daniel and Paul, for your willingness. Uh, Again, it's just, I think, an evident sign of. Our church appreciates you and needs you and respects you. Uh, Yeah, you are just uh, welcome and continue to fill the roles that you've been doing. I just want to bless you in that. I think without further comment now, we will turn our attention to uh, Brother Raymond Fisher and the sermon that he's prepared here. Um, Raymond is from Greenville, Tennessee. And uh, he's been our guest speaker today, preaching this morning and now again here this evening. Um, May God bless you, Raymond, and all of us as we uh, turn our attention to the word.
3: I wish to commend Brother Dave and the ministry here the simple and straightforward way this ordination has been carried out. We don't need a lot of drama in the sacred things of God. And I just just want to give you that encouragement this evening. I would like to offer a prayer before this message, shall we bow our heads? Heavenly Father, as you look down upon this group of people, I pray especially now, Lord, this evening for these brothers, these three brothers that are sitting here on the front benches, for Brother Joseph and Brother Paul and Brother Daniel. Lord, in the calling that you have called them to, in each one of their callings, in each one of their giftings that you have given to them may they, O Heavenly Father, continue to be faithful. And may you bless all these brothers and sisters that are sitting behind them, observing what has taken place here. In their hearts, there could be peace. In their hearts, there could be acceptance. There could be, yes, Lord, I say amen to thy will. And that everyone here this evening would experience that full surrender that we sang about. We just pray for your direction and guidance in the words that are spoken here through Christ we pray. Amen. 928, verses 1 and 2, Prince of Peace, control my will. Prince of Peace, I'd like to begin here this evening by going to Revelation chapter 3 and reading the message to the church in Philadelphia. This message this evening, I, I don't know if I have the exact wording as brother Dave gave it, but the wording I have is the church moving forward. Is that That's close enough. The church moving forward. Revelation 3 The church the message to the church in Philadelphia. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and has kept my word and hast not denied my name. Now, verse nine was particular to this congregation. Let's go on down to verse ten. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith, Unto the churches. I was trying to remember how many years ago it was. Uh, Perhaps Brother Dave would remember. How many years was that you came to Greenville to preach for us there? Maybe 10 or 12 years? We're not sure how many years it was. But my Bible is still showing signs of that week, I think. It's wore out right here. And Brother Dave came to Greenville. Every evening he took us to Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And he preached out of that for, for, for a whole week. For a whole week he preached out of, that, of, of the seven churches. I still recall that very clearly. Some of the things that were shared and some of the things were preached there. And this evening we, we, we look here at the message of the church of Philadelphia. It was one of two of the seven churches that only had commendation. Only Philadelphia and Smyrna were the only two that had commendation and no and, and no words of admonition or no words of warning that they were not called to repent as the other churches were and here in this church of Philadelphia the uh, the, the angel says to this church here is an open door i set before you an open door now what are open doors for You think of doors in the Bible, we go back to Genesis, we, we know, remember the door of the ark. And the door of the ark was open, and it was open for, I, I would say, for, for quite a long time. It was open, it, it took some time for everything to go into that ark that needed to go in. If you want, if you want to get a picture of everything that might have went into that ark, just go down there, Kentucky, at that place where they built the ark again. And it wasn't Noah that built it. Uh, it's not built because the flood is coming. But you will get a picture of what all went in. That door was open for a long time, but the time came that door was shut. And when the door was shut, just like the door here, no one could open it, because God shut the door. But there, here's an open door. There's other doors in the Bible. There's the, there was the twin doors, the, the door of the tabernacle, the temple, the doors of the temple. And those doors were closed. They they did not allow people to go in or to come out. And they were not they were not people were not permitted to open that door and to look inside. Only at a certain time of the year and only certain people and very, very specific people could enter into through those doors. And they had to be very careful how they went in that door and what they did inside there. I don't know if it's true or not. I heard, heard one time that they tied a ribbon to the high priest that went in there around his ankle. It was just in case something would happen to him when he was in there. So they had a way to get him out because no one would go in there unless they had authorization. And, and those doors were closed until the day that Jesus was hanging on the cross And when Jesus Christ, when He uttered those words, it is finished, when He bowed His head and He gave up the ghost, those doors came apart. Those doors were open. And they've been open ever since. The door to the mercy seat. There's other doors in the Bible. There was a door when Moses and his people went out of Egypt that night. They went out in haste, but there's something they had to do before they went out. And the night before they went out, God said, you go out there and you do something over your doors. And they took, they took blood from a lamb that was killed, and they put blood over the, the posts and over the lintel of that door. And that, that blood saved them from being from, from their eldest son, from the eldest son of that house from being, being, being taken by the angel of death that came through that night. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so that's the story of a door. Jesus told the story of a door, or He he, he referred to a door in John chapter 10, where He says, I am the door of the sheep. He that cometh unto me shall go in and out and find pasture. He shall go in and out. He shall go in, he shall come out. That's the door that swings both ways. You can go in and you go out. And it's through Jesus. You go in to find protection, you go out to serve Him. I am the door, He said. Now, here's a door in Revelation chapter 3. He says it's an open door. In order for us, the church, to have forward motion, there needs to be some doors, and they need to be open. And I don't know what all God is going to do here in this congregation. And I don't know what Brother Joseph is thinking by now. And, and, And it's hard telling what he's thinking by now, but he's got a lot of time to think about what happened tonight. And for Brother Paul and Brother Daniel... just remember this, that God has doors for you. There are doors that He is going to open for you in your life. Maybe they're already open. And don't look at this ordination passing over you as a door being closed in your life. It's not that way at all. I have set before you an open door. it's a door that only God has the key for. I don't know if you've ever been locked inside a room. But I've been locked outside. I, I, I know what it's like to be locked outside. In fact, one morning, some years ago, I was, I was holding some meetings in Virginia. And the, the place where we were staying, the host said he's going to go on to church. And my wife and I stayed behind. He said, just lock the door when you go out. And so when we went out the door, we locked the door behind us, the door to the house. We get out to the car, and I said, oh, honey, I forgot my keys. I need to go back in and get my keys. And all at once I thought, the door's locked. And so here we were without a key and without, and so no no problem, I'll get my phone and I'll call him. And then I remembered this, I've been here all week and I haven't had cell phone service at this house all week long. That's the problem with AT&T in Virginia. It might be better now, but back then that's the way it was. No cell phone service. We started, we started trying to get into that house without breaking in. Went to the windows, went to the doors. Every door, every window that we could access was locked. And time was moving on. And I was supposed to preach at this church. And we had no cell phone service. We were 20 minutes. It's a 20-minute drive to that church. And I didn't know of any brothers that lived any close. It was back in the woods. I went out to his truck. He had a business there. I'm sure it's an excavating business or something like that. He had some business trucks out there. In his garage, I said, "We'll just take one of these trucks to church." I don't know what the people would have thought about that, but I I was desperate to do something, and the keys were not in the trucks, so that didn't work. And then I remembered, this man's a hunter, and in my daily walks, I sometimes would walk some of his hunting trails back up the ridge, and back on top of one of these ridges behind the house, there is a tree stand that was it was a it was a a wooden tree stand, freestanding. I would guess probably twenty feet off the ground. I thought, you know, you know what? I could go up that tree stand, and just maybe I get enough of signal to call him. And so my coat and all, and, and these steps were probably this far apart. They were not made for preachers; they were made for hunters. <laughs> and up those steps I go. <laughs> I get to the top of that tree stand, that platform. I get my phone, and, and sure enough, I have just enough of of service there to call to call that brother. And uh, and he said, "Oh, no problem." He said, "The keys are under the." the flower pot or whatever it was there. And so we were able to get the, we got in that door, and we went on our way. That's a closed, that's a locked door. And, and brothers, God says this thing about the church moving forward. There's a key and there's a door. Has God, it, how is the door in this congregation? Has, has, has God opened the door? Is the, has He the key, has He taken the key and opened that door? And, is this congregation ready to move? Is it moving through that door? Is there, is there motion going on here? Forward motion is always preferable to moving backward or being in neutral. There are great events that happen really fast, like thoroughbred horse racing. The, the record for the mile and a quarter Kentucky Derby was set in 1973 by Secretariat. And that thoroughbred horse ran that mile and a quarter in 1 minute and 59 seconds. Now that's pretty fast for a horse. And I've never been able to figure out why these derbies, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and all those others, they spend millions of dollars, they spend the thousands of, of hours preparing for this race. And it's advertised in the papers all over the world. There's people come in, and, and they, they get into these stands, and they, they bet their money, and I don't know what all goes on, but it's, it's a big thing, and you think, wow, this is really going to be something. In less than three minutes, it's all over. That's fast. Those, those things, that's, that's an example of something that, that, that takes, there's a lot of forward motion there. And, and it's, it's, it's I, I'm, not a, I'm not a horseman as such, but to see a thoroughbred running wide open is something to see. I've never, excuse me, I've never been at the Kentucky Derby, but it is something to see. It's, it's, it's a beauty. Think of beauty. Well, then, then you have other things that, that take a lot of time, like cycling competitions. Cycling competitions, the Tour de France, it, for example, it, it runs for 23 days. And in these 23 days, these cyclists, if they make it all the way, they travel approximately 2,200 miles. And this is in France. This is in, in, in Europe in the mountains. They go over these mountains with their bicycles day after day after day after day. It's, it's a slog. It's, it's, it's a competition. It takes a lot of time. It's forward motion, but it takes a lot of time to accomplish. And this would interest you, Brother Daniel. Uh, back in August, we went to Australia. And we visited Stephen Black family. And while we were there, we were there for five days. He took us out to his pineapple farm. And uh, I, told, I told Stephen, I said, we're not just here... We, we want to do something. So he said, well, I'm planting, I've got a field down here. And so uh, it reminded me of years, years ago, and please, please understand, years ago I was a boy, I was at my grandfather's farm down here on Newport Highway, and I remember one day, one time I was there for about a week, and they were planting tobacco, and I helped plant tobacco. I was just a little boy. And this pineapple business reminded me of that. You sit two in a cart, and, and you sit there, and this whole this things in front of you, and, and you're, you're grabbing these plants, and you're putting them into the ground. But believe me, it's a very, very slow process. The tractor is in the lowest creeper gear it can go. It's idling. It's just going down the field. You almost have to watch. You have to watch the, 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 the treads on the tractor to even know that it's moving. That's how slow it is. And I thought, it's forever to plant this pineapple field. And the rows are long. Several weeks after we came home, Stephen told me that we got the field planted. I said, okay. I can not believe that. Extremely slow process. What about the church? In either case, the thing we dread the most and can tolerate the least is stagnation and inaction. That's why I'm not a fisherman. Although My name is Fisher, and people rib me all the time about it. And though we own a farm, and we, we, we have a farm, it borders the Nolichucky River, which is one of the top small bass rivers in the state of Tennessee. And people think I just have to be a fisherman my name, my name gives it away, and I, have a, I can go fishing whenever I want to, but I'm not a fisherman. I just can't tolerate that stagnation in action, of sitting there and waiting and waiting, and, and, and that's why some of us do not make good fishermen. But brothers, according to our title here, the church is not an entity of immobility, but of locomotion. And, and I want to ask you this evening, rise up, O oh men of God, rise up, O oh women of God, and be part of this motion. This locomotion, this forward motion. And this Weavertown church has just witnessed another ordination. And how many ordinations have preceded this one? Is there anyone here that has already answered to that? I'm sure this is not the first ordination here. I'm confident I know that. But how many preceded in the last 110 years, is it? Is That's how long is? It? Yeah. yeah. That's a long time. So there's been some ordinations here. This is, not, this is not the first ordination. and Maybe there's someone here that knows how many there have been. But how many will follow, none of us know. How many, will, how many ordinations will follow the ordination of Brother Joseph until Jesus comes? No one knows. I can say that confidently. Because we're all humans in this room. <laughs> we're all humans. But we don't know that. We don't know what's going to happen. This could be the last one. This could be the first one of Many to follow. This ordination was not planned to fill a vacancy as in the case of Matthias. That's my understanding at least. Matthias replaced Judas and the, the apostles said we're 11. We need to be 12. We need to get put someone in that, that empty chair. And so Matthias was ordained there by Lot. Read that in Acts chapter 1 and the end of the chapter there. But apparently the team here felt the need of another brother to help with ministerial work. And I have I've, 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 compare that with Acts chapter 6 and the life of the church there, Jerusalem, and the apostles and elders. They were busy men. The church was growing, a lot of needs. They said, we need some help around here. And so, Acts 6 records that event. In the life of the church of Jerusalem, when they ordained that through prayer and the unified council of the church, there were men from them who were appointed to the work at hand. And after those ordinations, there were seven of them in one day. Those seven men were ordained all at once. All in, they're all there at that one event. And the words, the, the words that follow that ordination are these words. Increased. Multiplied. Great company. Faith and power. And brothers, that's the energy. That is the energy that results from holy endeavors such as this. There's an energy that's been, 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 been here this evening. And it, it's, we call it holy ground here. But there is, there is something, this ordination is not an end in itself, so now we have another minister. Now, now, there's a purpose and a plan here. And maybe even your ministers don't fully understand what all that is going to be, but God knows. God knows what Brother Joseph is going to be, where, where he is going to go. He knows what, what his, his plan is for Brother Paul and Brother Daniel and all the rest of you out there. The church moving forward often follows resolution. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 2, Old Testament, but all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and these things were written for our learning. The Bible says, Nehemiah 2, one of the closing scenes of the Old Testament. I don't know who, who decided to put which books were in the Old Testament, but if it be chronological, Ezra and Nehemiah would be out toward the end, of the end of the Old Testament. This was after the captivity. In chapter 2. And Nehemiah here, he is commissioned by Atax, Ataxerxes, the king there, to go back to Jerusalem and to see what he can do about the problem they had in Jerusalem. The wall was, the wall was in, in, in ruins. And so he says in verse 17, the men that were with him, this Nehemiah, I said unto them, notice he said, said, or then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire, come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem and we be no more a reproach i'm a little fearful sometimes to do that as a minister as you said as a leader of the church sometimes I take courage just to say something like that in the congregation because if no one listens you're going to look like a fool But you're just not sure what the reaction of the people is going to be to make such a statement. And so we're better off, and we cover our tracks a little better. We, we, we cover our hide. We, 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 we're a little better off when we say, should we? What, what do you think, brethren? Is this something we should do? That way if they turn it down, then we're pretty much where we were before. Nehemiah said, let us. Let's do it. Come, let us build the wall, up the wall of Jerusalem. And then I told him the good hand of my God, verse 18, which was good upon me and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, what a relief it must have been. But notice they said, verse 17, I said. Verse 18, they said. Let us build. I find that to be a real encouragement. I find that to be enlightening. I find that to be, give me energy and strength and, and courage. So you have a man with a vision. You have a man with a vision that says, let us. Let's do it. We can do it, brothers. And your ministers can inspire this congregation to do things like that. But what a, what a tremendous encouragement and confirmation. They said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Then we have a little cheek there with in verse 19 with Sanballat. Let's just leave him there. Let's go to verse 20. Then answered I them. And said unto them, The God of heaven, He will prosper us. Therefore we, His servants, will arise and build. So again, I said, We will arise and build. And then chapter 3, verse 1, Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. They began the work. Again, I said, Let us build. They said, Let us build. I said, We will arise and build. Then they rose up and builded. That, that's a beautiful picture here of church moving forward. And I don't think, I don't think ministers should be offended if, if the suggestion to build the wall comes from one of the brethren out there. We don't have all the good ideas after all. We should not be too proud to accept a, a suggestion that I should have thought of it. You know, I should have. But I'm glad you thought of it. I'm glad you came up with that idea. That's a great idea. We can Let's do it. Let's do this thing. We can do it. We've got the people. We've got God has blessed us with the resources. We've got the vision. We've got the energy. Let's do it, brothers. And I'm not going to put a lot of practicals in that because I don't know exactly what, what for opportunities you might have here. The church is likened to four things in the New Testament. I give you a lot of words tonight. I could tell you I have a house in Chucky or in Limestone, Tennessee, uh, oh, yeah, I have a house. But if I tell you I have a house like, like Brother Wilmer has, and I don't have a house like that, but if I would tell you I have a house like Brother Wilmer has, then all of a sudden there's a picture comes in your mind. And what do you see in your mind? You see Brother Wilmer's house, right? Well, I can't really describe what kind of house I have. It's, it's a unique house, I guess. So you don't really know what my house looks like. But if I would tell you it looks like so-and-so's house, you get a picture. And it, God in His wisdom gave us pictures, gave us descriptions of the church of Jesus Christ, the New Testament, that draws pictures in our minds. And they say a picture is worth a thousand words. and how true it is. The church is like a building. And I say it's like a building. Let's see if it says like a building or is a building. How does that say that, 1 Corinthians 3? That's, that's where we get the strongest picture of the church as a building. And uh, talks about the foundation here. Verse 9, we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. That means we're His tillage. That means He cultivates and He works and does, we're like soil. Ye are God's building. Ye are God's building. And then He goes and expounds on that. He gives a little exposition of what He means by that. And he tells in verse 11, other foundation can no man lay, which is Jesus Christ. And then now if any man build upon the foundation, gold, silver, and he goes and, and explains the different kinds of ways that man builds. And some of the work will abide, some of it will suffer loss. It just depends what kind of material you're using to build. And that's, that's consistent with the whole Scripture, and that's consistent with Jesus, how he ended the Sermon on the Mount there about the story of the wise and the foolish men. It's the foundation and it's the materials you use to build with. And especially the foundation is the important part. And so, a building to build. The church is likened that way. The design of the church in, in whom all the building fitly framed to gather growth into the holy temple in the Lord. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God which is the church of the living God... The pillar and ground of the truth. The church of the living God is the pillar and ground of the truth. It it gives us pictures of buildings and pillars and, and, and something. In order for a church to be built, good materials must be used, the blueprint must be followed, the foundation must be true. And a church that is built upon the rock Jesus Christ is a church that is moving forward, it's standing still while moving forward. It's it's standing it's it's standing on the rock of ages, but it's moving forward. It's gaining ground. It's, and, and the way that a building moves forward is by is by strengthening. Now, building doesn't move. You understand, but the way that the church moves forward, like a building, is it it you continue to add features to this building. You have this plain structure, and then you continue building. You and as you need it, you you build higher. And more stories and more rooms and more capacity and more accommodations and the church continues to be built. And that, that's a word picture that I can understand, even though I'm not a builder. I'm not a house builder, that is. I, I want to be a church builder, but I I can understand this but when he says a church is like a building, and a building is a place of refuge from evil. A building is a safe house for truth. That that's what the church as a building does. There's two things. It, 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 it's a safe house for truth, but it's also a refuge from evil. The church ought to always be that way as a building. Secondly, the church is like a body. Church is a body, 1 Corinthians 12. And we'll not be reading all, all these 12 to 27, but let's read here a little bit. For as the body is one, this is 1 Corinthians 12, the church as a body, as the body is one, and hath many members. And all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, whether we, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many, if the foot shall say. Now here's the interesting part, how Paul, how he expands this thought of the church of a body. And he's just there writing. He said, well, yeah, like the foot, like the hand. And you can look at your feet. You, well, maybe you can't look at them now. You can look at them tonight. But you can look at your hands and you can look at, around you. You see ears. You see people with, with, body, with members of the ears and hands and noses. And he says, that's a word picture. That's a picture that not only a, a word picture, but it's, it's something that's reality of course, the, the next logical question is, so then what am I in the church? Well, the church needs all these parts. It needs feet to move things forward. It needs hands to get the work done and do it right. It needs ears to listen to what is going on all around and to get those vibes and signals. It needs eyes. It needs all these things. That's the church moving forward. So we being many, many in Christ, Romans twelve five. As our one body in Christ, everyone members one of another. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. To which church was that written to? Are we together? Every joint supplieth. That reminds you of what letter? <laughs> Ephesians. That beautiful church that Paul wrote to. When he was, well I could say a lot of things about Ephesians. But we'll maybe look at the church at Ephesus at the end of this sermon, if we have time, the churches of Ephesus had things together. They were fitly joined together. You read there what the angel of the church of Ephesus told said about that church. They were this church, fitly joined together, compacted by which every joint supplieth. According to the effectual working, measure of every part, maketh increase in the body, edifying itself in love. So the body is a living thing, it's complete with officials and giftings. The the body is to make strong, it's a living organism. And uh, this includes the keeping of the ordinances, which are outward applications but inwardly developed principles. A church that faithfully maintains not only the practice but also the spirit of the all things of Matthew 28, 28 is a church that is moving forward towards stability and sustainability. So we need the church as a building, a safe house, a place of refuge. We need the church as a body, a living organism, one that is outwardly practicing and doing the things that Jesus commanded. They're outwardly seen and they're done in a meaningful way. And that, that they're done in a way that reveals a spiritual truth. And it brings it out into the open and it's it's done that way. The church is an army, 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 5. And uh, the brother Brother Manny he read there from 2 Timothy, but he started in verse 14. But the, the picture that I get in 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 5 is the church as an army. And it doesn't say the church is an army, but it calls the, 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 the people in that, in, the, in that setting soldiers. And soldiers, soldiers are not dairymen. Soldiers are serving an army. Now you can be a soldier of Jesus Christ and be a dairyman like Brother Paul is. Don't get me wrong. But he's talking about soldiers, and this is a, he's talking about a spiritual warfare. And this army has a captain. Hebrews 2.10, captain of their salvation. This army has a kingdom. It's the kingdom of His dear Son, and every kingdom has a king. And Hebrews twelve twenty-eight: We we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let's have grace where we may serve God, accepted with reverence and godly fear. The church, like an army, is made up of soldiers. Ephesians 610 to 18, we have the arsenal available necessary for every soldier on active duty in the spiritual battle that we are engaged in. We've got a helmet, we've got a sword, we've got a breastplate, we've got something on our feet, we've got, and we've got prayer. And I've probably missed some, but they're all there in Ephesians 6. You can look at them. And finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of His might. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And then you have all the weapons that we have, both defensive and offensive. So the church is that way. We're engaged in a spiritual battle. The church that is increasing in number of warriors who stand together in defense of the gospel is a church that is moving forward. That's the church that's moving forward, brothers. So how boring is that? It depends how engaged you are. How engaged are you in the work of the Lord? How engaged are you in defense of the gospel? And then the, the other one is the church is a light, as a light and salt. In Matthew 5, 13 and 16. Ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are the light of the world. The church, you see, was never meant to be an exclusive club of the privileged few. The church is diffusing light. The church is, is spreading salt. And salt preserves and light light gives illumination. And the church of Jesus Christ should give illumination. And it should also, also be a, a, a source of preservation. To seek and save the lost like Jesus did. To add more to her number, both locally and globally. It's funny, when I was in Australia, I thought about my next door neighbor. The Lord laid on my heart when I was all the way over there in Australia, trying to minister to those people. And and I I thought of Adam, my next door neighbor in Australia. And I come home and there's Adam. Who do I think of when I'm at home? Well, I think of the brethren in Australia. You see, it's locally and globally. We are to seek and save those that are lost. They're to, to bring them to, to, to shine the light. We carry on where Christ left off, beginning of the Great Commission. He gave it to the apostles up to our present day. It's a commission that has not expired and will not expire until the day of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So the church works tirelessly to keep the lights burning, the salts preserving. And that's the church that's moving forward. driving onward, pressing forward. What detains will cast aside? Are we willing to do that? Things that keep the church from moving forward are sin in the camp. That, that hurts. That, that, that bogs down. That destroys forward motion. Sin in the camp. Conflict among members. That's no good. If you're going to have a church that's moving forward and you have conflict among the members, this thing goes on and on. You might as well put it in neutral for a while, try to figure out what's going on, get it, get it straightened out. Hesitancy among the builders and the ministers, the congregation, leaders of the church. They need to be confident in what they're doing. If they're hesitant, they always say, well, we're not sure. Maybe, you know, what, what should we do? This thing is, hmm. There's times that we take time, seasons of prayer, meditation, consultation. But if there's too much hesitancy among the builders, it's going to keep the church from moving forward. Unhealthy diets is going to be a problem. Soldiers aren't going to do well. When they're constantly feeding off the things that are going to to weaken them down and and make them susceptible to all the viruses that are out there in the world today. Unhealthy diets, yeah, that's, that's a bad one. Maybe there's discontentment with the program. It's not so much what we are doing, it's how we're doing it, you know? Sometimes we get more excited about how we're going to do something than actually get it done. And then when we do it and we're criticized, it wasn't done right. Well, my question is, is it being done? Is the work of the church being done? Then don't worry so much. You may do it one way, he may be to do it another. There's discontent with the program. Sometimes there's disloyalty to the brand. So I have no problem letting the world know that I'm a Christian. I don't have much of a problem letting them know the Anabaptists, we ask the question, maybe I'll say, you know, what that means. But I do have a little bit of a problem saying that I'm, I'm a part of the Weavertown Amish Mennonite Church. It's a little bit of an embarrassment to the, we're, we're a, there's, there's a bit of disloyalty to the brand. I say, brothers and sisters, if we're going to have the Church of Jesus Christ move forward, we need to work where, where God has placed us and work with the will And work without embarrassment. Work without shame. This is who I am. This is my identity. Identify with these people. That's where God has called me to work. Sometimes there's disconnect with the captain. And all these things can affect our our usefulness. And then there's arguments on the details of the furnishing in the church. And sometimes the blueprints get blurred. But probably the one that's, that hits us the hardest and is the worst one, per, perhaps, is the loss of the first love. And that takes us, to, that takes us to, uh, back there to Revelation. And you know that story. You know that. You, don't, don't you know that? Surely you know that. He says you've done all these things right. You're a, you're a church that is to be admired. You're a church that has done a lot of good things. But here's, here's something that's wrong with you people. And that's you've lost your first love. And unless you get it back... Unless you repent, your name is going to be blotted out of the book of life. I think that was the, that, that's a very, very strong a, kind of, or a, a strong result there. And uh, apparently it happened sometime or another because there is, to my knowledge, no church in Ephesus anymore. I want to close, close the Scripture here with Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And here's encouragement. I want to hold forth the needed encouragement to all the problems that beset the church and hinder her forward movement. And this, this chapter in Hebrews 12 is written right after the chapter that I call the Hall of Faith, not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith. And, and then all of these men, uh, th- this was something that was, that was written of them after they had passed on. I think if the Hall of Faith would be expanded today, If God would decide to open the Holy Writ to an an addition to Hebrews 11, how long do you think that would be? How big a chapter, how many verses would it take? Would your name be on it? But right after that, he says, Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin and the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto who? Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is Lord of all. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the bright and morning star. He is the bridegroom coming for his bride. Looking unto Jesus, running the race with patience, on to victory, on towards our eternal rest. Brother Joseph, God bless your ministry. The Lord has gifted you, brother, and placed his hand upon you to make you a blessing. Your ministry is not yours to produce. You rest in him, he will work. If you abide in him, he will bring fruit. As you sow, he will bring increase. You are in God's peace, doing God's work at God's perfect time. And may God bless you as you take up that that work. Take that responsibility that's laid upon you and allow God to work His work in your life. And may the rest of the church, may you, may you all move forward at the same speed. An army that moves at the same speed is going to be a lot more effective than the one that is disjointed. And there's, if there's several running ahead, they're probably going to get shot down. If there's some that are lagging behind, they're probably going to be POWs. Let's all move together, brothers. Your ministry are up here. They want to take this church in a direction. I don't know if they have a 100-year plan or not. The 110 years are behind what lays the next year's, lays before. But there's, I, I would have confidence these brothers have a plan. They have a purpose. They have a vision. You get in behind that and you support that. You put your energy into that and the church of Jesus Christ will move forward. And it'll expand beyond the walls of this Weavertown Church. And maybe, just maybe, some of you can get to go to Australia. Would you stand as I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you, o, heaven, o God, for your blessing this night, the gift that you have bestowed upon this congregation. We just, we just ask a blessing of peace and of rest upon each of these members of this, of this congregation as they go from here, resting in your will, saying amen to your will, and putting their heart into the work of the church, to building the building, to strengthening the body, to continuing in the army as a soldier, a good soldier of Jesus Christ, enduring hardness, and diffusing that light in this world, in this community, and wherever they go, and that salt that preserves and keeps until the day of our Lord Jesus. We ask your blessing upon the ministry here. and Brother Dave and his companions in labor. May they continue, Lord, to take courage and face the battle with joy, looking ahead as Christ did over the joy that was set before Him. He endured all those things, and today is at the right hand of the throne of God. And may we one day meet there as well, in that beautiful place that you've prepared. As you have said, I go to prepare a place for you and when I have gone to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into my, unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We cling to that promise, O Heavenly Father, and we ask your blessing. We're praying in Jesus' name, believing. Amen. God bless you all and thank you for your prayers. We'll turn the time back over to Brother Dave. You may
0: be Christ Church moves forward, and uh, I think it's correct to say that the Church of Jesus Christ moves forward whether we do or not, right? So it seems kind of logical to me to be part of it. Let's let's move forward with the forward locomotion of the Church. We're going to take just a little bit of time here for a few testimonies, Uh, Norman and... Nate Bang are right here. Uh, If you would want to come and uh, share a word of uh, testimony, I invite you to do that. Uh, Wayne Lapp, I think you're at a place there where you can get out. I would invite you to come forward then. And if you would close the meeting with prayer. And immediately following the prayer, I want to just take a little time to present some of the uh, flow of traffic or the procedure here for the receiving line. And then we'll close the uh, the, um, gathering here this evening with a song all the uh, ushers, clear some of the chairs, and we get uh, things situated here. So, Norman, Nate, and Wayne.
1: Well, I thank the Lord for the way that he has moved our church forward in the last months and weeks, and this week, and this evening. I uh, welcome you, Joseph and Susan, to the minister team. It'll be a joy to work with you. God bless you in this coming days and weeks. For Paul and Rebecca, for Samuel, uh, for Daniel and Sarah, God bless you too. Uh, It's been said before, let me just say it again God has a perfect plan for your lives. You're not second class. Um, Keep being faithful in the work of God's kingdom. And I I just pray that. um, that our church can continue to be a witness in the community and to each other uh, until he comes.
5: I think we have been very richly fed this week and before that, but I think especially of the message on Wednesday evening and then this morning and as well as this evening. And uh, I was thinking of that numerous times uh, here this evening. Joe and Susan, we welcome you with open arms. It's an open door, and uh, we're excited about this. You have been called. Embrace that call, like we heard on Wednesday evening. Paul and Rebecca, and each of you, Daniel and Sarah, you have been called. I've heard your testimonies about finding fulfilling in what you're doing, and God is calling you to continue serving Him. And to each one here, uh, I'm confident that there are other people who could have been sitting up here this evening, but you have been called to areas of service, and I just want to uh, say amen to the service, to the message on Wednesday evening. Embrace your call and receive it with joy this morning joy and serving. So God bless you and I'm excited to be a part of the church that is moving forward.
1: It's a blessing to be here tonight. to think of the church moving forward and I think of this church of I see there are Peckway ministers here there are mine road ministers here there are people here from Cornerstone there are people here from Trauger and we think of all the outreaches that have come out of Weavertown here and how what is happening in those places and I bless you as a congregation This is a blessing as a church that was established from here 19 years ago and the many things that are happening in Burgettstown. A lot of that comes back to here as we grew up here. And Joseph, I'll encourage you the same way as the bishops in front of me encouraged me. If you want to be replaced as a leader, enjoy the position that God has given you. God has called you there and raised up other leaders to fill that gap. And for you as a church, may you continue to move forward and stand strong. There are many blessings out there that you don't even know have happened that are, that are just a product, a harvest of what all happened here. And I see older men here that have stood around me as a little boy growing up here. May God richly bless you and each one of you as you walk through the open door that God has set before you. You want to stand? Shall we stand for prayer? God, we thank you and bless you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the church. Thank you for each member of the church. My prayer is that we would continue to be fitly joined together to grow and to build. Lord, may we walk through the open doors that you have opened in in front of us. Lord, may we not be distracted by all the viruses and things around us. I thank you for this congregation. I pray that this could be a, a strength for the church. I especially pray for Joseph and Susan and the family. Lord, just give them the strength, the power, the empowerment from the spirit that they need today, this week, throughout their life. May your name be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, Amen.